0: Good morning again to everyone. I think uh everybody knows that Pastor Roberta is south. I'm not exactly sure where they're at, but they're oklahoma i don't they're talking about Branson or I heard Branson so they're okay so, somewhere south I'm sure they're having a great time so so she asked me and Patty if we would share a little bit and of course, my answer was yes, <laughs> probably not what I felt right away, but that's what's going on so uh I'd like to share a little bit about what uh, he's been talking to me about. And then uh, that has changed quite a bit in the last three weeks. I hope I can get it all together for... uh, for, I'm sorry. Sorry, kids. Go ahead. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, Mom. There's my mom. Everybody. Um, I want to start off with uh, a few things that he's shown me in the Spirit, which kind of... And it's been a few years ago. I think I've told my wife she's not here uh, they kind of line up with the prophecy that Nathan and uh I don't recall the other gentleman's name gave over this church Daniel, Daniel. okay yeah their their prophecy and some of that is kind of what I saw but in a little different um, it's probably been the better part of two years ago I saw it looked like kind of a what poker chips sit in. I know nobody plays poker in here right but with Beams of light going up to heaven, and I believe that was our prayers. And then um, I saw a reverse beam coming down that to me was the Holy Spirit coming down in a reverse mushroom type. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit over this, I believe, this church as well as uh, this land. And then, okay, further on past that, about a year after COVID kept going, and I was getting really frustrated and almost a little scared but I saw like a a force field over this church and then I thought it was a force field but now I realize it was going to be the Holy Spirit this place is just going to be encompassed with the Holy Spirit and that kind of lines up I'm going to read these prophecies from um, Daniel and Nathan and we can kind of take a look at that and it puts everything kind of together one last one I saw this was two months ago I believe I told Jeff and (laughs) that's terrible I think I told you guys All right, slow down. Anyway, we were doing worship, and I saw uh, the heavens open up. And then I saw, like, an outside theater, ample theater. And and then it just, you know, he inhabits the praises of his people. And that was very encouraging. And I believe uh, Pastor Roberta even talked about that during that message after that happened. So that was really awesome. This was the first one's a little short. I'm going to read this one first, and it's 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 amazing and it's exciting of what's going to be going on in this church and in this area. So I'll start there. It is a new day, says the Lord, for the old is passing, and I have come with a new wind of glory. The kingdom shall be present upon this ground, for it has been tried, tested, and weighed, and I have seen it faithful. For there is a flood I have been, pre- been preparing for, preparing you for. Preparation necessary to properly handle the things to come. For many will come from other cities astonished at things that they are hearing. Many healed there, many healed here, many healed there. One raised here and one raised there. The eyes of the blind are open, the lame walk, and the dead are raised. About this church. That's that's good news, guys. I mean, it's just awesome. I have counted you faithful, and you will see the increase, says the Lord. Do not look at the natural, but hear what I am saying. Run forward, heed instruction. Do not delay, and do not be distracted. It will seem at first as nothing will happen, but you will see when you least expect uh, that the increase will come. Not to one, but many. In ways unexpected, young and old, not one left out. For what I bring will not die, but carry on for generations. That's great. <laughs> that, that's what it's all about. So, I mean, that's so encouraging. And, then, and there's so many people out there bunkering up, stocking up food, getting ready for doomsday. Well, it's not what he's telling us. So, good news for us. For I desire a harvest, says the Lord. I am with you. I will not leave you. And you will see my hand moving. Follow the Spirit as he leads, and you will see and be filled with gladness. You will hear. Oh you will be glad you held fast. So when I read that and going just it just it's, it's amazing. That's gonna be us. But we got work to do, and that's what we're gonna get into. I got work to do. I don't know. I'm not judging anyway. This he's talking to me. This is what he's telling me. And then Nathan's prophecy, I'm not gonna read all this, I don't think. There's a shift happening in the church and then he he also prophesied about the um let's see the beacon of light like a triangle that's going to bring towns together, and this is going to be the beacon this is going to be the center of that so and he also his last one' my this is where we're at it's time to step up, time to man up, and time to woman up. I believe everybody's got a copy of that prophecy if you don't we can sure get you one it's a good one but. All right. When I uh, was praying about what to what to talk about, the first thing that came to my mind was limitless God, and we have a limitless God. There are things that we can't even imagine, which I don't know. So, I I, then I was thinking, and I was reading up on some of these studies about uh, you take a fish and you put him in a small tank. It's going to stun his growth. It limits that fish to, to what he could have been. Or, or a tree, if you plant it in a, a bucket instead of where it's supposed to be, it's going to run out of nutrients a lot faster, and it's going to stun its growth. This is I like this one. I actually looked this up. If you put fleas in a jar and put a lid on it, they will only jump so high until they hit the lid. And then once they get sick of hitting their head, they only jump a little lower. And then when you take those fleas out of that jar and take the lid off, they still only jump so high. They're limited by that lid. We need to take the lid off of ourselves. Here, this is, and they, their babies on baby fleas, that we call baby, one their kids, will only jump as high as their parents. So that generational curse was passed down to the baby fleas. And now I think we limit our, I limit myself on certain things, and he's teaching me not to, and, uh, you know, we when we limit ourselves, we limit the things that God can do through us. Just as far as uh, when uh, the Israelites walking around in the wilderness for 40 years and they've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and they still won't take over the city. Why not? Because they were in bondage for so long they, would not, they wouldn't take the lid off. You know, it, to see what they saw, Moses part the Red Sea. I think if we saw somebody part the sea with a staff, or all the all the plagues that would give us pretty good confidence to go ahead and take that city i would hope i would pray that we would have enough to do that so it, it's just that's something that i've been doing so or going through my mind let's go to john 14 12 through 17 Everybody there. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's already been done, a promise from Jesus. And... When you go back to these prophecies, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see, dead are raised, we're to be doing that and more. And I can't wrap my head around more right now, but uh, this is what we've been called to do. All right, go to John 1720. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. They that are, excuse me, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even, even as I have loved excuse me even as you have loved me for us to walk around with the life of Christ in us with that Jesus is asking the Father and prayed for that to be in us we'll be walking around on earth with the mindset of Christ to accomplish everything that's been prophesied over this church and, and just walking around in the position of Christ, in Christ, in Christ's position, it's it, more of a, a constant—I don't know—awareness of who we actually are, and we're children of God, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, and He and we're His children. And just because we're young or old, for the younger people. You're no more less of a child of God when you're younger or when you're older. I'm just as much of my mom's child at 48 as I will be when I'm 70. Well, and she'll still be alive by then, too. So so we don't we don't grow into being a child of God. It's done, and that's why I want to show you uh, in Ephesians actually what it's all done. We don't we don't have to grow into well we have to grow, but the work that God has done through Jesus. Uh, we'll start in Ephesians. I want to do a little bit of reading. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So He's already blessed us. That's done in heavenly places. It's past tense. He's already chosen us from the beginning of the world since we before we were in our mother's womb. He's chosen us already. It's done. According to the purpose of His will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He's already done it. It's past tense. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. So he's already done that too. We're in good shape. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things to him, excuse me, all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So predestined, it's, it, that's our destiny, an inheritance. It's it's there. This this life is is a mist, and I'm 48, and it's a lifetime to me. But it, it we have to stay focused and patience. Patience was a good one for me. I've been working on that for a long time, but I'm getting better. Amen. All right, let's go to Ephesians two four through ten. But God, I love but God, that means he did it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated. He seated us in in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For great grace, we have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as results of the work, so that one may boast. So it's already been done. Now it's time to renew our minds. And I'm sure everybody knows this passage, uh, Romans 2.12. Go there real quick so I don't misquote it. That's not right. 122, I'm sorry. We've heard this verse a lot in this church over the last few years and it's uh still there. So, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. To transform our minds into what God has made us. I, for me, I, I, I we were raised in the church, but uh, we know we've been saved. And to, to expand on what's actually been done to be to be a child of God, just you, you got to walk around with your your chest puffed out a little bit, but humbled at the same time. And knowing what has, what, what that means, this just is amazing. So to walk around with a mindset of Christ, your actions will be different. You're going to have to change the way you're in thinking. I mean, intentionally be intentional about changing the way you're thinking, and intentional about being obedient. We need to set our minds on things that are above. Twenty-four-seven. Uh, if you're dreaming, have a dream about God. Um, Go to please go to Matthew 6:33. I believe this is a pretty good step to uh, just to start out the day and uh, <laughs> everything we do. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And I believe uh, Dennis had a, we were at a men's fellowship a while back and this came up, and the question was, uh, what is the kingdom of God? I believe what uh, everything good, holy, everything great, Anything you can think about God just seeking him every everything about him, just to walk with him all the time and and to to be the hands and feet of the Holy Spirit that's what I came up with in my little brain, and I think that covers it everything godly but so if we walk like that all the time, we're going to start seeing the fruit and and living like Jesus did on earth, then we'll see people walk walk. Lame walk dead raised i've not seen anything like that oh i want to i think that that'd make a pretty good sunday afternoon when we start raising dead people and it's gonna happen i mean that's the word of god so it's time for us to get ready all right let's run to luke two forty nine. I'll just kind of paraphrase before we get to that. Uh, here in Luke, um, Mary and Joseph were at the Passover dinner, and they were traveling home. Well, they lost Jesus for a day. <laughs> and he lost the Savior for a day. and took three days to find him. I'd be a little nervous. But anyway, it went really well. You see that in uh, 49, it says, And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's house? This is house. I like King James Bezer, uh, be about my father's business. And that's kind of the way we need to walk all the time. We've got to be about his business. Uh, King Solomon was, uh, in these days' standards, pretty much the wisest, richest, and most powerful man in history. And the only thing that he said that was worthwhile, nothing else mattered, nothing. Everything's been done. You're going to die. Everything's going to be taken from you. It doesn't matter. The only one thing to do is the will of God. If you live, okay, now we're going to go to living. This ain't going to take very long. I'm sorry. No. I'm just saying I'm almost done. I thought I had about three hours worth of material up here. <laughs> I need to take a breath. All right. Calm down. Let the blood pressure. This is the sunburn, not blood pressure. It might be a little both right now. All right. So King King Solomon, in his infinite wisdom, says the best thing you can do is to uh, to be about your father's business, to do the will of God. Well, that seems pretty easy, except I'm stubborn, and I'm sure there are other stubborn people out there. Kylie, why are you smiling? You're here, I can pick on you. Um, so in what he's been showing me, if we go to uh, uh, Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding to fear the lord we if it wasn't for his perfect love, we would have every reason to be scared um, but a perfectly loving father knows his children, and uh the work he's done through jesus it is our it's almost our duty it is our duty to do what he wants to uh through us and to fear god is not to be trembling in the corner but to walk in awe and reverence and pastor burr was talking like last week about uh, he's all around us the holy spirit's with you all the time and you can't walk anywhere without seeing a camera outside and i've got them in my semi i mean they know what i'm doing all the time but when you you, you if you walk around as he's your your, your battle buddy kind of you know he's with you all the time and to make decisions that he would approve of all the time, I think we can walk in the victory that uh, we are intended to through those prophecies. Our Father is uh, God Almighty, the Creator of the universe, our Father, Heavenly Father. That, just to sit there and, and think on that for 15 minutes, the, the amazingness of it is, is absolutely wonderful. You know, as as a father, it's my duty to raise my children, uh, up into the Lord. And over time, hopefully, God willing, they will follow my footsteps and not do everything I used to do. But, uh, and and it's, and it's our, our dad's job, our father's job to do the same, but it's already been done. And now we're going to have to walk through that. And we've got work to do. We need a man up, woman up, and, uh, we need to get rid of, uh, the chains off our feet. I didn't give you the elephant one, the elephant one, they tie off a, a chain around their leg and, and the, that's how they train them. But they take the chain off and he still doesn't go anywhere. So he's still take the chains off. We need to take the lids off our jars and, uh, we need to be about our father's business. I think, and I apologize. That one pretty quick. I hope it made sense. It made sense in my head when I was writing it down. And I, I don't know what I just said, to be honest with you, but the, I am going to turn it over to Patty and, uh, See how awesome she does because I know it's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for your listening.
1: Nice job. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Huh? Father's Day's come. You're next. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it's amazing how this happens, but I mean, I was with the Sawyers most of yesterday. And we didn't talk at all about the sermons, but it's kind of funny how this is going to flow because that's the way the Holy Spirit works. But um Jerry was talking a lot today about following God and working for God. Well, letting Him work through you, you know, letting it flow. And um my sermon or message today, I titled Pray Like a Mama Um because a mama doesn't stop praying. I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how challenging their children are, or difficult or much trouble they get into or how far off they look like they are from coming on track. They pray and they don't stop. And um, so the Lord has kind of put it on my heart that that's how he wants us to be praying, not just for our families, but for our leaders, for The difficult people for the people that we see are hurting or wounded or not really on uh, track. If they are, you know, they know the Lord to some degree. Let's say, but our um, plan, He says, a burden is easy and the yoke is light to follow the Lord. So I mean, if you think about an ox, you know, yoke, how they used to do it, they'd have the senior ox and the the newbie ox and they'd put them together and the senior would kind of show him the ropes he'd but he'd be doing most of the work leading and the other just kind of tagging along um till he got the ropes too but that's kind of what the lord said hey i got this i'll show you the ropes and um Jesus was able to love everybody. He had the heart of the Father. He loved the most difficult people. It can be so frustrating. And that's the enemy's plan. The more he sees us praying for somebody, the more he's going to say schemes and plans and plots to get that person to become more annoying so that the person might just give up. I'm not going to pray. But if you pray like a mama, that mama never stops praying for their child. And we never stop praying. We don't. No matter what's going on, whatever the leaders are doing, whatever our coworkers are doing, just pray like a mama for them. You know, just keep praying for them. And ask the Lord to show you how to pray for them, you know. And and, um, I was going to look and see what I... Matthew 7, 7, if you want to look that one up. I thought this one was... I mean, over the years, when you read the Bible... um, it's kinda of like a telephone from God because as you're reading it, you may I try to go through the Bible. It's not um it's not like a ritual for me. I do just really enjoy getting up in the morning, letting him be the first one I listen to, the first thing I do in the day. I, I just really enjoy doing that. And I'll get out the Bible and I'll do like maybe Bible in a year or something like that, where they do a little bit of Old and New Testament, a little bit of Psalm, a little proverb or something, just to kind of get, um, get Him first, you know, just ground myself a little. And, um, but every time I do it, I learn something new. I'm like, I've read that. I never saw that, you know, and that's kind of what the Lord likes to do with us. But Matthew 7 7, it says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Um, if you look at that, the first word is ask, the second word is seek, the third word is knock. And ask starts with an A, and seek starts with an S, and knock starts with a K, and that spells ask. So I thought that was kind of brilliant of God. It's pretty cool, <laughs> you know, kind of neat. Um, But anyway, um, some people say that in other versions of the Bible It says ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking I just keep going after it, you know And um, for people And don't give up um, Because there's a time for when it really breaks We just have to trust God He's going to make it break Because He loves the people more than we do Even someone you really, really, really love and you know they're on a wrong road and you are just so totally concerned for their soul and you're so concerned for what could happen to them if they keep taking that path. God loves that person more than you. And so you just run to the Father and you just keep bringing it before Him, bringing it before Him. Um, Sometimes you might feel like, well, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I don't even know what to do. It doesn't seem to be making any headway. But you have to remember... Um that God has a reason why he's doing things when and how. Because I wasn't saved when I was a baby. I wasn't even saved when I was in school. I was saved because a patient walked in my office and just said, I was talking to him, he turned to leave, and he stopped. And he turned around and looked at me. And I, knowing what I know now and how I feel sometimes when I feel like the Lord's saying, share the gospel, and I... Some people, it's, I don't know. Sometimes I leave and I go, Why do you get so nervous? <laughs> because it's a message. I mean, it saved my life. It changed my life. Why would I be nervous about telling someone? But I do. Sometimes I do. And I remember that man, he turned and he looked at me and I could see he, now I know if, if I could speak for him, he was going, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, <laughs> you know? But he turned and he came back to me, and he asked me, do you, I just have a question for you. Do you know if you died today, where you go, you know? And I instantly was reminded of the one time that I know of, that I almost died. Um, Have I told you guys this? Because if I haven't, if I have, I won't Um, reiterate. (laughs) But immediately this is what came to my mind. It's funny how you can replay a story, you know, but when I was in my residency, so after medical school, you'd go and do training for a few years. And when I was in that training period, they call residency, I was in Southern California, and we would have to fly planes. And we'd go from Orange County to Mexico. And we'd fly to Mexico. It was a seven-hour flight, and it'd be on little tiny planes, like four-seaters 4, four seaters, or six-seaters. <laughs> and we'd ride for seven hours, and, um, <laughs> kind of like that, you know, and they would always land in Mexico, because we couldn't, we'd have to go to a checkpoint, and get gas too, and all that stuff, and, um, there were guys in, um, in Southern California that loved their plane, and they would fly, and they just get paid for gas, because they loved the hours, they loved doing hours, and, um, so they flew us, and I was there every month. Once a month, we'd do this. We'd go for three days um, a month, and we'd do surgery. We'd do whatever. And I was always there because I was the resident. The resident is here on the totem pole. <laughs> we're the loaders. We're the lifters. We're doing all that stuff. But anyway, so every time that we'd do it every month, we'd get different doctors that would come with us. Sometimes there would be cardiologists to do any kind of heart work. Ear, nose, and throat doctors to work on cleft palates or whatever else. And um, and in Mexico, there's a lot of stuff happening there that shouldn't happen. I mean, we don't see it because we take care of them when they're babies. But some people are in their 50s and 60s with conditions that, wow, that's what that looks like? I mean, it never gets that far because in the United States, we cover things pretty thoroughly with our doctors. So we take care of problems early. Anyway, so... Um, we get on the plane, and we fly. And um, one particular week that we went, or month, um ear, nose, and throat guys were with us, and we had two planes this time. Never know who's going to come, never know what plane's coming, never know what's, who's going to fly. And um, so we're waiting. And the lady with the clipboard, she's kind of in charge of who goes where and what happens. And actually, my husband went with me that time. And he was at the same program with me, studying too. And... Um, Um, so the lady goes, okay, you guys get on that plane, me and Joe, and you guys, your nose and throat guys, you get on that plane. Uh, We didn't know each other, but we're talking for a while, and then everybody got on planes, and then we flew down. And we get down there, and when you get there, it's like you're totally focused on all these people because your heart gets so full of help, helping. People come from a 600 mile radius. There's a little radio station that tells them when the Clinica is going to be open. And people come on donkeys or they come on buses or they walk or whatever, however they have to do to get there. And this clinic is kind of set up. We have a little pharmacy in it. We have most of the time the pilots, they are like engineers, so they, they make things for us. They build things for us where they're there. It's really fun, or it was when I was doing it. But, um, but anyway, so there would be hundreds of people, and they'd be lined up to see you. And all of us would just be floating through stuff going, there's more people, we just don't want to stop. And the people that kind of oversaw the clinic would say, it's time for lunch. And we're like, time for lunch. Look at all those people. you got a break. Everyone's got a break. So while we were working, you know, I'd work with Joe. It was so fun. I'd say, Joe, what is this? My gosh, that's a... That's a 12-year-old boy, and he looks like he's five because he had a congenital heart condition that no one had been able to take care of. So it's just like, wow. It's so, we can send people to Los Angeles, and they can get help too. So if somebody needs to, we can fly him. if we can't help them. But anyway, so while we we're there, this undertow was happening that we heard, but we couldn't really... I didn't really focus on because we were so consumed, but it was, that other plane hasn't come yet. You know, I mean... You call? Well, yeah, we've got all the authorities on it. I mean, So, I mean, that's what we were hearing, this undertow for these couple days. Um, but we were working. We take care of patients. It was a miracle, really. I didn't know the Lord at the time. We were there on medical missions because there's medical missions going on too. I mean, not just people doing stuff for the Lord. There's people who are just traveling around the world doing work just to do work, you know. But if they had Jesus, it would have been a lot more exciting. But anyway, Um we get our work done. We get on the planes. We go home. And I'd say it was Monday, the next the next day, an eight and a half. There's a newspaper there. I never read the paper. I still don't. I don't like to read news. I never liked it. But anyway, one day I see the newspaper in our apartment, and something tells me, and this is before the Lord, but now I know the Holy Spirit's working on us all the time, even when we're not saved. He's working on us. He's working on our loved ones. He's working on our friends, our coworkers, our leaders. He's working on them. But I saw the newspaper, and this is not me. I grabbed the paper, and I brought it in my room. (laughs) I think about that now. I think that isn't even me. But the front page was Orange County Register was this big picture of a hillside with metal all over it. And I just kind of got a weird feeling in my stomach, like, "Well, I got to read that." And it was the plane, the other plane. I mean, and it was like, "You get on that plane, Joe, and you, and Patty, and you guys get on that plane. We'll see you down there." And uh, they crashed. And what happened was, they crashed into a restricted area of Camp Pendleton, which is kind of like around where we were. We kinda, it kind of it kind of zeroes around and. And it was amazingly foggy. Los Angeles can be foggy in the morning. It was really smoggy, foggy. Um, but by 11 or 12, it's gone because it burns off, you know. Um, but uh, it didn't. It didn't burn off for the whole weekend. I mean, it was like a 300-foot cloud cover. It was like you could only see that high for the whole weekend. And the guys that flew didn't have a flight plan. I mean, because normally, I mean, I guess if you're flying all the time, they were in San Francisco, they flew... Those guys flew from San Francisco to Orange County to pick up the guys and take them to Mexico. But they didn't have a flight plan, so they didn't have the ability to deal with the major thick fog. It was even there when we flew in and came home um but anyway so they ran right into Camp Pendleton they hit a they hit a hillside in a restricted area of Camp Pendleton it crashed and it was i mean it was instant but their bodies nothing was found for 4 days because they were in an area that nobody goes to i've had some guys who went to Camp Pendleton and they told me yeah there's restricted areas that we can't go to and that's what happened and so that didn't even affect me, like, personally. I mean, it made me sad because I thought, oh, gosh, those people. But I didn't think of my soul or my salvation because I didn't know you had a choice. I mean, I just figured you're a nice person. You're going to heaven. I didn't think anything of it, actually, to tell you the truth. But anyway, so when I saw that, wow, that really came close because... that's how close I was. And, but what bothered me the most was when I opened up the paper and there was a story about the guys in there. And one guy's going to have a, his wife is going to have a baby any day. It's like, oh my gosh. I started to cry immediately. And I said, why, why am I still here? I mean, those guys have families and, You know, and so I remember getting on my knees. This is weird because I never prayed. I mean, I prayed in church. Our church we went to used to have a bulletin. It would say, Pastor says this. Congregation says this. Pray now. Do this. And then when it was over, you know, you're done. So I never really prayed myself, like talk to God. But that day I did. And I said, Oh, Lord, if you're real, I need to know who you are. And I need to be about your business now. You know, because I felt like, here I am. I should probably be doing something with my life. And what amazing thing happened, too, was that one of the guys was, I guess, a pretty major philanthropist because seven more articles about this man came up in Orange County Register, like boom, 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 about how amazing that person was. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I still doing here? (laughs) You know, but God has a purpose and a plan. And so when that man said to me, do you know if you died today, if you would um, go to heaven? And I immediately thought of that plane. And I said to him, I hope so. (laughs) And he said, you can know so. And that's when he shared the salvation message with me. And I didn't hesitate. I prayed with him. And my walk with the Lord grew, 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 grew. And he kept flooding people into my life to help me grow because he loves us, and he wants to take us further than we are today. Where you're at now, there's more, and it's going to keep growing, because he wants, he wants you to know him more. He wants everyone in your sphere of influence to know him and then know him more. He's just got an amazing plan for every person. Um, I even sent a letter to the guy who prayed with me <laughs> Eventually, I said, thank you for caring enough about me to stop and turn around and go back and say, do you know where you're going if you die today? I said, that was pretty cool that you cared enough about my soul to do that. Um, but as far as like praying really continuously for somebody, even that hard coworker or our leaders... Um, don't get discouraged because it's taken a long time or you don't see anything. Because I prayed for God to show me if, if He's real on the floor in that room. And then four years later, a man walks in the door and says, do you know if you died today where you'd go? So he was preparing me for four years. I mean, God's... There were experiences that had to maybe happen, or I don't know. I can't answer those questions, but... It's all going to be part of my testimony where I can touch people because of my life with the Lord and my life without the Lord can touch people. I mean, some of the fights you've had with your spouse or your relationships, that can touch somebody that's really hurting. He'll use everything. That's how brilliant he is. Um, In fact, in Isaiah 29, verse 24, um, wait a minute, not there. Psalm 50, verse 15. This is what he says. He says, I want you to trust me. I want you I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and then you can give me glory. So even when we're going through something, I mean, even if the time period takes what seems like forever with that coworker or the leaders just won't get it you know, follow him and they keep making these plans that are so scary for our country or whatever. Just don't don't stop doing your part. You know, God's doing His part. That person's doing their thing, but you're doing your part and God's doing His part. And if you're linked up with Him, you're on the right team. And God's going to do it, but He's going to do it in His time. He's going to rescue us, but He's going to do it so that He gets glory from it. So I don't know how it's supposed to play out to make it like that, but sometimes there's something that majorly happens, and when it's done... Everybody has to go, whoa. That wasn't because I prayed three hundred and eighty-two days in a row. <laughs> that was because God's amazing or something miraculous happens. We just it's just our part to continue to be part of the team. And our teamwork is to pray. Um an easy way to I think I heard this on Dutch Dutch Sheets, I like listening to him. Um he was talking about intercession. Intercession means when you stand in the gap for somebody. You know, I don't know a lot about football, but my, my brother-in-law played, um, professional ball and he was a tight end. Thinking to myself, I'd like to be that. <laughs> Not in a team. I'd like to be strong. But anyway, um, People are standing in the gap so that the guy with the ball can get where he needs to go or the guy that's getting the ball can get where he needs to go. There's people that stand in the gap to fight off what's going on to protect the ball to get to the win. So um, I think about that. I mean, they throw themselves into people. (laughs) They throw themselves into stuff. They get really majorly hurt. He's had some major... um, knee injuries to where, like, there's ligaments. He's still got to get put back several times because of the things he threw his body into, you know, to get that ball where it needed to go. But that's kind of what it means to be an intercessor. We're kind of throw ourselves into things <laughs> so that that person can hear the message and be able to receive it. Um, so what Dutch Sheets said, was if you take this verse it's kind of cool he broke it down with the greek you know because the bible was written in hebrew and greek and aramaic and those those languages are more deep than english like english we say i love i love you i love spaghetti i love to drive this car and i love to go to hawaii and that's all one word but in Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew, uh, when they say love, they might say agape for love, meaning they love the Father. Or phileo is another word of love, and it means I love you as my brother or sister. And eros, I think, is the love for your spouse. Um, so love is, there's more love words than just love. But so what, what Dutch Sheets did was he took the verse in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, And um, that verse says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to obedience of Jesus Christ. Now, he presented it in such an interesting way, because he said, I thought too, that this verse meant that I just kept telling God, I'm casting my imaginations off. I am not getting, letting anything get in my way of your word. I want to be in obedience. I'm taking it into captivity. But he said, no, this is a verse you can pray for people, that they will be casting down those imaginations. You stand in the gap and fight for them with this verse. Go in your prayer room or, you know, whatever that means. My girlfriend drives a car and prays, but I, anyway. This is a prayer of intercession. So, casting down imaginations. The word imaginations is, in the Greek, it's logismos. And logismos means reasonings, calculations, arguments, like... um if you ever come up to somebody and said, hey, do you, what do you think of Jesus? Or do you believe in Jesus or something? Then they might automatically, in their mind, it twists when you start talking to them about the Lord. It's a subconscious thing that happens. But automatically they start thinking about something like, mm. I had a guy, when I talked to him about it on Wednesday, he said, my pastor made, told me I didn't bring enough tithe to church. So I gave up church. That was it. I'm done. I said, no, it's not about church. It's not about the pastor or the money you gave. It's about Jesus. You know, I was trying to share the love. I couldn't get through because he had just decided. You talk to me about the Lord. He said, "Don't talk to me about the Lord anymore." So I said, "Okay," but I'm not going to stop praying for him. You know, Jerry Savell, He's on TV, and he said he was. People were trying to get him saved, and one one guy in particular. And he'd say, "I'm praying for you." He goes, "Don't pray for me. I don't want to be saved. Don't pray for me." And he got in his car, and he saw that guy, and he rolled his window, and he goes, don't be praying for me, <laughs> he said to him. And he rolled his window back down, and the neighbor goes, I'm praying for you. And he rolled his window up really fast. Goes, oh, and he did get saved, but it's like we can fight. The best way to fight, the best way to wear the yoke is just go in your prayer room and, pray, and fight for him in love and pray for him. Um, but logismos means that they have reasonings, They have arguments. So when we stand in the gap, we say, um, let's say the person's name is Tom. We just say, Lord, I'm here praying for Tom. I cast down those imaginations, those logismoses, those reasonings, those feelings like the church has been his enemy, you know, any wrong thinking, that kind of thing. You just pray that. And then the next part is, and every high thing. High thing is hupsoma in Greek. And high thing is like a pride, like... um, um a lofty thing like i don't know sometimes people can get uh, you know i don't want anything to do with that you know don't preach at me uh, the prideful thing whatever it is you can t- sometimes you can tell it's pride well you can just say i and i bring down everything prideful in my end tom I speak against any of that that can be successful against him finding you and finding the perfect life. I mean, God has a perfect life for each person. So I stand against them not finding you. I stand against that. And then it says, And anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every one of Tom's thoughts. Well, thought is Greek. um, The word is noema. And noemas are ideas, perceptions, concepts. This is where Satan comes in. He's got schemes and plots and plans that he's been working in them for maybe since they were little. Things like, I'm going to be rich and famous, or things like a wound or a hurt, or maybe they were mistreated by somebody, um, or sometimes it's somebody that's supposed to know the Lord, you know. Or something, but any kind of wicked scheme or plot that's always worked keeping them from wanting to have God's plan for their life. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna live my own life. I don't want I don't need God, you know, I don't want anything to do with his plans for my life. Um, I got my own plans, that kind of stuff. That's what a noema is. And so you just say, I take the captivity all the Satan's wicked schemes. I stand in the gap between you, Satan and Tom. And, and I say, you have no more power against him with these schemes and thoughts and plans. Whatever it is you're trying to use against him still, I stand against that in the name of Jesus. And I take every one of Tom's thoughts into captivity uh, to come under God's word so that when Tom hears God's word... He won't, it won't float over him or he won't have his own ideas about it. He'll receive it, he'll come under it, and he'll believe it, and he'll want it. And those are the kinds of things you can do. You don't have to talk to Tom because it might not work. That one guy said, Don't ever talk to me about the Lord again. I said, I won't. I'll talk to the Lord about you, though. (laughs) So I've had a few people say, Don't talk to me anymore about that. But then I said, Okay, I won't but I keep fighting for them. You know? Somebody will come across their path they'll listen to because I believe God wants them. God will bring glory out of that life and, and set them free so they can know Jesus. And that's the thing that happens too when you give your life to Jesus. You just fall in love with people. Even the ones that are, oh, golly, sometimes they can be so mean. And you have to remember, those are schemes and plans of the enemy against them. They're keeping them captive. I mean, you're free, but they're captive. And so we have to be able to not get offended. The enemy would love you to be offended because that's a captivity too. Even though you know the Lord, if you let the enemy continue to push your buttons with somebody, you are letting the enemy succeed against you, and you have to stop and say, "Mm mm-mm, okay, Lord, what do I do? Uh, Send him a text and say, have a great day. (laughs) Do something in the other direction, you know. I don't know. Stay above it. Stay above it because that's where you can fight. You can see better. You can have more clarity. Um, so that's what Second Corinthians ten five does, and, and um, Judge Seeds said that if you pray this every day for someone, don't stop praying it every day. Pray it until they get saved. Because somebody did it for me, you know. Some I, and I believe it was, I believe it was uh, a great grandma. Because um, when my dad passed away, then my mom passed away, we went through boxes that we didn't know were there in this attic in my grandparents' house. And in that box were little cards my dad gave to my great aunt. Cute little cards that he drew. They were so cute. But in that box were letters, too. And my sisters and I just sat down, and we just went through letters together and passed things around and said, oh, look at this letter. Um, And one of them was my great-grandma. And in that box, she was writing a letter um, to my great-great-grandpa, her dad, saying, please, give your heart to Jesus. Make him Lord of your life. Just, you know, she was giving the salvation message in a letter to my great-great-grandpa. And my sister Stacy, she loves the Lord too, and she and I looked at each other and read this, and we went, great-grandma Sadie was praying for us. She had to be, you know, praying for all of our relatives from, you know, for thousands of generations, I don't know. But she was praying that. And that's what praying like a mama is all about. You just keep praying and keep praying and don't become weary. Like Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't become weary doing good because at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. I mean, praying for, like, our president. I mean, no matter how you feel about these people, where they're at, you just pray for Maybe, you know, if something amazing happens... And it's somebody that you don't expect it to happen from on another party or whatever. And they all of a sudden want to do everything God wants to be done. They wake up the next day and it's like, you ever seen that movie, Christmas Story, Ebenezer Scrooge? All of a sudden he wants to give everybody everything. (laughs) He wants everybody to be happy. Anyway, but I think that would bring God more glory, wouldn't it, if somebody don't expect it. And if that's what he's after, rescuing us and giving himself glory, then it behooves us to stay in that closet. It doesn't mean we have to go tell everybody. Sometimes they won't listen. Sometimes we do, though, if he tells us to. But mostly, we got to pray. So I think that's all I have. Maybe let's pray a little bit. Will you pray with me? Hey, Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for helping us to unpack it each day a little bit more. I just ask you to continue to help us to read your word, hear you, listen, and and just follow you. And, and you know, you make it easy because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So you do all the work. You've even prepared the ground before we get there. So, Father, we do. We lift up these people in our lives that are difficult and hard, and, and we lift our leaders and the people that are in power that are supposed to help our country and help us. And, and we lift up our loved ones and we cast down all imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you and bring under captivity every one of their thoughts, every onoima, every logismos, every hypsoma, until it's under obedience to Jesus Christ. And we thank you for, for rescue. And we thank you for you to receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.